Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Generation You Can, my fueling source of choice. You Can is powered by Super Starch, which gives you long lasting energy with no sugar spikes. I am a big fan of their energy powder. I use the citrusy flavors. When I go on my long runs, I use about 30 to 45 minutes before my long runs. And I'm also a big fan of their energy bars, which you can just basically have anytime. My favorite is the coffee flavor. You guys heard from Meb Kafuzki on this podcast. He was episode 162. If you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen. He is also a user of UCAM. And you guys can save 15% off UCAN products and get free shipping when you go to generationucan.com slash another. Use the code another19. That code will automatically get added at checkout when you go to generationucan.com slash another. Thank you, UCAN, for supporting this episode of the podcast. All right, guys, today you're listening to episode 166, and I'm talking with Latoya Shante Snell. You can find Latoya online. Her blog is called Running Fat Chef. I found an article about LaToya in the Huffington Post recently. She's kind of gone viral a couple different times and most recently in the Huffington Post. LaToya is a mother. She's a marathon runner and an ultra runner. And she's also the host of a podcast herself. She co-hosts the Long Run Podcast with Martinez Evans. Her work has also been featured all over the place in, in the Huffington Post, Runner's World, The Root, Refinery29, and I recommend going and finding her over on Instagram. She is I am L Shantae. That's S-H-A-U-N-T-A-Y. Her link to her blog, Running Fat Chef, is over there as well. In this episode of the podcast, Latoya shares with us her journey to becoming a runny, runner, which started as a weight loss journey and turned into a full-on passion and career. She is an official Hoka Ane Ane athlete, and we talk about online criticism and how she handles that and also some of her greatest accomplishments in this podcast. I really enjoyed getting to know LaToya and I know you're going to enjoy this conversation with her as well. If you guys are loving this podcast and you haven't already done so, I would appreciate it so much if you would consider leaving a rating and review over on iTunes. It is one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us and it means so much to me when I read them and guess what? I read every new rating and review. And I'm going to read my most recent review. And if you leave one, maybe this can be you next week. Angie4410. Amazing show. Lindsay's the best host. Oh, thanks. That feels weird saying. Always asking questions to the guests that I have. You can tell she doesn't go off a script and goes with the flow. So genuine. Look forward to it weekly. Thank you so much, Angie. I appreciate it so much. And you would be right. I do not go off a script. And I especially did not go off a script this week. I just let... Latoya tell her story and it was a lot of fun to do that. All right, you guys, you can find me on Instagram, lindsayhine626, and you can find me on Twitter and I'm at lindsayhine over there. All right, enjoy my conversation with Latoya Shante Snell. All right, well, today on the podcast, I'm really excited to introduce Latoya Shante Snell. Welcome to the show, Latoya. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am so excited to have you on the show and to have you share your story with my listeners. I I think I stumbled upon you just recently, and after reading about you, I realized I had read an article 
from the New York City Marathon in 2017 as well. But I was scrolling through Twitter recently and I saw an article and I, you know, you dig yourself into this rabbit hole of reading about someone and then you stalk all over their Instagram. And so I was like in deep with you and I was like, I need to ask her to be on my show. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much. Like, um, so I'm I'm assuming that you're definitely referring to the Huffington Post article. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Yeah, that one I... Whoa, that one went very, very viral. Tell, tell <laughs> um, us about that article. Ah, uh, that article, I, I never expected it for it. Um, like, I, I shouldn't be so um, naive about it, you know, these days of, you know, how one thing that can be posted onto an Instagram account can turn into something that's a larger conversation. Um, so a li- just a little bit of a backstory. What stimulated the article was at the beginning of the new year, uh, I went to the gym like I normally do. I attempt them, um, although I'm known to be an ultra runner, a road runner, and a, um, and a trail runner, I tend to do all of these crazy, like cross fitness, you know, cross training workouts that I tend to share with my Instagram feed. Now, as of recent, I announced that I am a Hoka 1 1 or a Hoka One One, depending on how people um, one, pronounce one. it. Yes, I learned yeah. that on this podcast. Yes, like yeah, like because people are like, "What is one one?" And I'm like, "That's <laughs> actually the pronunciation um, for Hoka One One." So you know, I always say it as much as I possibly can to kind of like slightly get it in there. Like, "Hey, it's actually Hoka One One," and they're like, "Okay, it's One One." And I'm like, "All right, cool. Whatever one goes for you, that's cool." You know. Um, but I recently became an official athlete for Hoka One One. And um, around that time, I kind of kept it secret until a little bit later on or whatever. Um, but before it happened, I was doing a regular workout video. Um, I guess this was one of my advanced days, um, according to you know some people that see and they're like, whoa, I'm not touching that workout. And somewhere along the line, I did TRX workouts. I did some workouts with, uh, with plates or whatever. This video got a lot of buzz and in turn, someone took the video, put it onto their platform. I still to this day have no idea who this person is, um, shared it with their 50K plus following and these people proceeded to fat shame me. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. They, they, and by the time, the only reason why I knew about it is I have a habit of going to the explore page. Sometimes I'm looking for inspiration. Uh-huh. Like, you know, people are always like, hey, where do you get these workouts from? And I'm like, sometimes I get inspiration from other, you know, athletes out there or people who are just starting out where they do something and it clicks to me. And I'm like, oh, that would be really cool to actually try out. Or, oh, maybe I can make this a combination move if I just do this kettlebell swing with a push up or something of that nature. You know, so I went on the explore page and I see my own video and I'm like, that's weird. I'm like, why would Instagram suggest me to watch my own video? So I clicked it, you know, curious, you know, I clicked it and I recognized the cropping was a little bit different. Um, that was like one of my biggest indicators. That's what, and then I noticed that there was like a filter on it. That's what made me say something's wrong about this video. I'm like, it's already strange enough to be suggested your own video is another thing to mm-hmm. see your video is cropped weird um, than what the way that you posted it and it has a filter. So I'm like, somebody obviously took this and reblogged it. It's not uncommon. So wait, um, question, for- question really mm-hmm. quick. Yes. Did you see the Instagram name of the person who posted it? I saw it as quick as I saw it. And then I saw like the comments going down the line. Uh-huh. As soon as I hit the button to actually reply back to this person, she instantly, <gasps> and I'm saying this is a she, this person instantly blocked me. Really? Um, yeah. 
like um, I think the only response that I got was, and the, the, the problem is, is when you get blocked from a user, they actually remove the actual conversation. Because mm-hmm. otherwise I would have been able to actually say, okay, I know who this person is um, and I want to be able to engage them in a conversation. Uh, as quick as I literally wrote her and was like, hey, why exactly, why, do you, why are you putting your video up on here um, and putting my video on your page just to heckle me? Because and it wasn't like a like a oh my god she's so fat it was more or less the what I a lot of us in the body positivity community would say is concern trolling, mm. which makes it a little bit different than someone saying oh my god look at that fat person do this this and this ha ha she's stupid it's not so much that type of conversation it is more of oh my gosh I, I'm worried that she's gonna hurt herself don't oh, you know that gosh. that don't you know that fat people can't do this? You, you can't do that. Why don't she focus more on weight loss? And this is what the conversations, well, that's what the conversations uh, from a lot of her users were saying. There, Don't get me wrong. There were a couple of people on there for the little bit of time that I was on the page. There were a little bit of people on there who actually was like, well, I think she's doing a good job of doing this workout. There's nothing wrong with what she's doing. Um, but there were more people who were just kind of like either laughing about the idea that, you know, here I am as this plus size athlete, um, not even an athlete to them. Cause I mean, you know, I'm, I'm relatively unknown to some people. So, you know, it, I, I'm just this, you know, everyday person going to the gym, doing workouts. And she basically said that she was concerned for my fat, um, for me being a plus size, you know, person doing these advanced workouts. She thought that I should stick to not lifting weights, that I should stick to weight loss. And these are the things that I find to be exceptionally toxic. The problem is, is that I get so many emails and hate mail, direct messages, people who call me fat on a regular basis, which the word does not bother me. It's the derogatory sense of how they're actually trying with the intention of actually shaming me as a person who is out there so much. After a, po- a point, you can't ask someone to keep turning their cheek and ignoring the comments, you know, don't reply. These things don't mean anything. It is very strange of how you can get thousands of compliments and you can get five negative comments mm-hmm. and it completely changes your day. This is totally true. Okay, so you, yeah. I, I want to hear your backstory a little bit, but let's finish the article story. You, you then went and wrote about this post that you stumbled upon which I have to know did you ever find out who this person was like I want to no. I just want to be like hey girl what are you doing yeah and, you know, um, no, uh, no I was actually hoping that um I have a feeling that the person might have put pulled it down sure um of course. After, you especially know, after you were on Huffington Post yeah like I mean and I, I think it was a little bit before that uh I, I the thing is uh, what what strikes to me is I think this person was actually a follower that's the mm-hmm. part that hurts a little bit more. Yeah. Um, because I do have people who intentionally follow my my journey mm-hmm. um with this this idea of oh, she she hasn't made any progress over a couple mm-hmm. of months. Now she doesn't serve any purpose to me. Mm-hmm. Or let's let's wait for her to fail. And it's it's very sad that that's the state that we're in. But that same day that I sort of post before the Huffington Post even, you know, contacted me, that same day I went to the gym doing a different workout and my like some of the crew at Blink Fitness they saw how upset I was and they was like are you all right and I'm like no actually I'm not you know I was really honest with them I'm like no I'm not you know like the staff is like friends they're, they're like really really good friends there mm-hmm. and I was like do me a favor can you take a picture for me 
And he's like, sure. And he's like, what kind of picture? He's like, well, he's like, what you doing? And I was like, I'm gonna put this bag of Cheetos in my mouth. Uh, <laughs> you know, because I, I'm, I'm kind of I'm like, I, I have petty moments. So yeah. let me just be honest. This was not to, this was a moment of frustration. This was not a moment of trying to inspire people, but I didn't want to speak on behalf of people who go through this and they are completely fed up with the process of being told to ignore it. It is very hard to ignore something when you are living that type of ridicule every single day. Mm-hmm. So I put up my middle finger, yeah. uh, had, you know, I, I did this kettlebell. I had this kettlebell in my hand. I raised it up and I put Cheetos in my mouth. And I was like, you know, the point of this picture is to paint the imaginations of my hecklers. Mm-hmm. It was not to say that I eat Cheetos all day long and this is why I'm fat. It is to basically give you a visual of how ridiculous this looks. If you like, do you don't see people go to the gym and eating whole sandwiches while they're doing, you know, doing push-ups? This is not re- this is not reality. So I wanted to make a mockery out of what they kept saying. Before I knew it, this picture went ridiculously viral. People started taking it, put it on their page, reposting all of my words. They were posting, you know, the things that I was saying, and in turn, the Huffington Post. Um, reached out to me because I guess a follower who happens to work for the Huffington Post or maybe just a really, really, you know, um, loyal fan of the Huffington Post was like, hey, you really need to check this person out. Um, They they said, hey, you know, would you be interested in writing a piece um, about how you're being fat shamed um, and heckled? And, you know, we're, we're, we're noticing that on your blog that you're saying that you're doing 10 marathons this year. And I was like, yeah, actually, I am. And that's how the article came about. Okay. And that's the article that I saw. That's the picture that drew yes. me in. So good job on that picture. That worked. That's some good marketing. Thank you. <laughs> I know that's not what you were trying to do, but it, yeah. it, it definitely is attention grabbing. Okay. Yes. So Latoya, I want to share with everybody kind of just like, so you're an athlete, you run for Hoka One One. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to share with everybody though, why you started running and how your health and fitness journey kind of took off. So can you walk us back to the moment in your life when you decided I'm going to try to run? Yeah. Um, it all started off as a weight loss journey. Um, you know, I know people don't like hearing that word. It's like, Oh no, I don't want to hear about weight loss. Mm -hmm. I won't focus on it too much, but it is my, it is a part of my truth. So May 27th, 2013, some people don't remember dates. Unfortunately I do. I remember (laughs) that was like one of the darkest days of my life. And, um, I felt like I had no neck. You know, I was looking at it from a vanity point, not even so much like, um, don't get me wrong, I was concerned about the health point, but I was at such a low point of my life where I literally had gave up on myself. People say things like, you know, you got to live for your kid or you got to live for, you know, your family. I couldn't find reason to live for myself. So it's very hard to live for someone else when you can't see that type of joy. But I knew that I was tired of feeling miserable of being in pain. I have sciatica, you know, this degeneration. I have, now I have a new diagnosis of endometriosis and I have GI issues, a couple of mobility issues and being taken away from my field in the culinary field. Um, I fell in love with this field. Um, and I end up being, uh, bed rested for a certain portion. After the bed rest, I was basically put on medical leave and I never was able to return because my back issues were so bad. So I noticed somewhere along the way that going to a physical therapist was essentially just exercise that was being babysitted, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. and now granted, I don't want to, you know, I don't want anyone to take this podcast and say, all right, well, she did that, then I can do it. No, I, 
I took a chance. Um, I went a little bit against doctor's orders. Uh, do, he, he basically suggested don't do anything that's too strenuous. Don't do anything that's high impact. Stick to low impact activities that most that you can do is swim. And as a person who cannot swim, um, I'm learning right now, but as a person who cannot swim, I was just like, that means do nothing. Why I can't did he sw- say that? Like, was he, he wanted you to exercise, but very lightly is that to, what was his purpose? Uh, the, the dumb, the, the same response that most doctors usually give, um, mm-hmm. lose weight, mm, okay. lose weight is always the, is always the suggestion, lose some weight. Um, his, but don't get me wrong in his case, some of my, the, the reasons why he was suggesting me to lose weight is because it would relieve some of the back pain I was had, but um, I was having considering that I had a lot of core weight, um, and because of the way that it was applying pressure to my back, he felt like losing weight was the option. It's just that some of the things that I kept asking, can you explore other ways of how can I, you know, lose this weight or how can I get healthier? It was just, it just wasn't enough. I got to a level of frustration where I'm like, I don't love myself. You know, um, I don't like what I see in the mirror. I don't want to be over 265 pounds. And, you know, I'm five foot three, so that's a short frame. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and people automatically look at me like I don't care. And I do care about myself. But people beat me up so much mentally that I just, I stopped caring. So the next day, I end up literally using Instagram. I end up um, seeing this woman on there, everyday person. She's a school teacher, still is a school teacher, um, but she was doing all these crazy workouts. And for some reason, I never do this, but I reached out to this perfectly good stranger mm-hmm. and I said, how do you do all these workouts? And she told me how she was doing it or whatever. And she's like, oh, I do beach body." And I'm like, nope, not, I'm not interested. I was like, I got, you know, Shanti, you know, workouts to sit in the corner collecting dust. And she's like, okay, so how about you do this? She was the first stranger that actually offered time mm-hmm. to talk to me versus all these people who I've had in my inner circle for so long that couldn't even, you know, offer constructive advice. You know, people would just tell me, go lose weight, mm-hmm. but they were enjoying me. And if they joined me, they didn't stick with it. And then if the moment that they left, they didn't give me the preparation of how do you hold yourself accountable? So when you hit that low, there's no way to go but up. And that's essentially how I started my journey. Now, the running didn't kick in until close to a year later. I ended up losing like, I want to say like 50, 60 pounds by this point. Um, Like I had lost a lot of weight really, really quick. And at first it was like I was losing it really healthy. Was that Uh, through her work, like her workout suggestions, the Beachbody coach? This was just her telling me to, um, to basically use my, she said, find some, she says, find someone or something to hold yourself accountable. Mm. And my option, I thought abstract. I said, well, all of my friends like to sit on social media. Mm. So I'll make them unofficially accountable for my weight loss and my fitness journey. Love it. You know, so, you know, the thing is, you you can use social media to your, to your benefit or you can use it to your destruction. So you it's were posting your stuff? On yeah. Your, okay. Okay. Yeah. I started posting it initially, um, only through Facebook and then people started talking me into Instagram. I ended up doing it on Instagram and people I didn't know started sending me friend requests cause they started seeing the, you know, the fitness stuff, you know, they started seeing that, you know, here I am, I'm going to the gym and I'm doing basic pushups and I built myself up from not being able to do a pushup to being able to do pushups. And then my friends, you know, who I didn't ask for their advice, but my friends were so supportive. And they were in the military and they was like, dude, how about you try this one out? How about you try this workout? 
eventually the way that my personality is, I get bored very easily. <laughs> um, so I had it, I, I started knocking out things on my bucket list. Um, I jumped out of a perfectly good airplane because I was scared of it. So, so <laughs> was that like a moment in your life where you were like, I'm doing all these empowering things. I'm going to face other fears. Yes. And running was definitely one of them. It's just that I had no motivation to do it until two aspects. One, um, my MySpace buddy, which really says a lot. MySpace, my... I know. <laughs> it's like 2003. Uh-huh, totally. And, uh, and he's from the UK. I haven't met him, but I plan on meeting him this year for the first time. So oh, it's cool. a seven. Yeah, it's like close to a 17-year friendship. Um, and he signed up for a half marathon. And in turn, I'm like, I have this bucket list item to run a half marathon, never ran a day in my life. I was like, only thing I run for is the ice cream truck. <laughs> let me let me go try it. I was like, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how I was breathing. Um, I did see this guy at the track that really inspired me several times when I used to walk around just for fitness and get cardio in, mm-hmm. um, that used to dance while he was actually running. And he was just like smile. He was super infectious. And that really started my running journey. I ended up, uh, what sealed the deal for me was meeting Black Girls Run. I met the um, I met a, a chapter that's in Brooklyn okay. uh, by accident. Actually, I was out there at the track at like super early in the morning, it's like five o'clock, five thirty, and like a group of like girls come over and they're like, "Hey, how you doing?" And I'm like, "Whoa!" Like, um, it's five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning. It's still dark out here. Why are you coming up to me? And they was just so nice, super supportive, and I had so many trust issues with talking and making friendships with women because sometimes we are just so mean to each other. Um, but they embrace me with like open arms and they're like, why don't you come to a meetup? Why don't you, you know, are, are you new to this? Do you want help? You know, like they, they gave me permission to ask, you know, for help and to receive that help. They weren't pushy. They weren't pretentious. They didn't have agendas. They just wanted to see me, wanted to see me get better. And in turn, I ended up making all these friends, signed up for my first race before um, the half marathon. And I remember at the end of this race, one of the um, one of the girls I'm really close with, Ngozi Odita, she's a hell of a runner. Um, she says to me, so when are you going to do your marathon? And I was like, you're right. I'm not doing a marathon. The next year I signed up for a marathon. That uh, Black Girls Run, we have a group here in Indianapolis and they are awesome. Yes, like so supportive and they are very inclusive to everybody. And I got to know them really well, probably, gosh, it's time goes by so fast. It was probably four years ago, three years ago, right around the time uh-huh. I started this podcast. Yeah. So I didn't know that Black Girls Run was a part of your, the beginning of your story. Yes. Yeah. Black Girls Run is a significant part of my story. Like I, I still, I still love those girls. Um, I, like whenever I get a chance, like if I'm not traveling now, I mean, now things have changed so much over almost like it's almost been six years of my fitness journey. Um, but it's only been like close to five of actually running. But um, so many things have changed that, you know, sometimes I'm just not in town or I usually have to wait to a race till until I see some of them. The faces have changed. People have gone on to other things. Some, some people have gone like, you know, it's just anytime that I get the opportunity to be around that group, even when I don't know who the people are there, I've never had a bad bone that ran through my body. Or a bad feeling that ran through my body when I meet these people. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah, they're super supportive. Uh, they they here at the races will stand at the finish line until every last person has crossed yes. in the group. Um, oh. Now tell me this. 
so since this, so you said six years, five years running, you've run like 14, 15 marathons. Yes. And ultra marathons. You've done a few of those. Yeah. I think I have done like about five to date of ultra marathons. And my longest distance was a hundred K, which is equivalent to 62.3. Yeah. And that was last year. That is far. Yeah. My husband's done one of those. Where did you do that? I did that. Oh, out of all places. I did it in Arizona heat. Um, <laughs> I did it with Havelina hundred. Um, Havelina hundred is in Fountain Hills, Arizona. And I did this the week before the New York city marathon. So I was kind of banking on crazy. Oh, wow. And then you ran New York. <laughs> yeah. I ran New York six oh, days later. OMG. Oh yes, my like gosh. Black and blue toenails, um, swollen feet, uh, waking up in the, like, you know, in the middle of the night, still thinking I'm in the desert with dry <laughs> mouth. It was, it was like, it was incredible. Um, scary. Um, definitely it shook, it, it shook my core a lot. And it was the furthest I ever pushed my limits to the point where I want to sign up for my first hundred miler, oh, um, this year. Yes. I'm scared. I'm very scared, but I want to do it. Okay. Is this the year in New York that you were heckled after doing the hundred K? The year I was heckled in New York was 2017. So that one, um, yeah, 2017 was the the year that that's the year that made me viral, unfortunately. Okay, and then 2018 <laughs> was the 100K, and then New yes. York again. Okay, so can you tell everybody about the New York experience in 2017? Oh, the New York experience. Um, that was a rough moment for me. Uh, while the so- the story is very significant and it stood out to people, it was like, oh my god, you got heckled during the New York City Marathon. The state of mind that I was in was to actually give up running. Mm-hmm. That was something that I didn't put in the article. Um, when I did New York City Marathon, that's when I was diagnosed with endometriosis. Um, it's a condition that's not, it's, there's no cure for it. Um, it's, uh, even if you get a hysterectomy, is a possibility that you can still go through some of the pains. It's like, think of a menstrual, but think about being in pain like that practically every day. Oh gosh, I have friends that have it, it's awful. Yeah, it's uh, and it's one of those conditions that, in my case, um, I was asking about, you know, about issues with, you know, my downstairs um, for about two decades. I've been asking about this since I started my, my menses, and, you know, I, I got told what most people get told. You know, um, pain, periods are painful, and that's mm-hmm. that's actually that's a lie. That's the worst thing you can actually tell somebody is that periods are supposed to be painful. If it is painful, you should go to the doctor. And you know, thankfully, I was persistent. But even in my persistence, because doctors weren't taking me as serious, they kind of faulted it on, you know, weight gain. Then when I started the fitness, then I was told that, oh, maybe it's an imbalance. You know, um, maybe you have PMDD. Maybe you have um, PCOS. Maybe you have another condition. Maybe you have too much testosterone. I kept getting thrown in different directions until um, I remember waking up one morning and finding out I was pregnant. Mm. Um, With your second. Uh, this would be my, it would be if, if the babies made it, it would have, um, that would have been my seventh pregnancy. Okay. So you have a son that's 10, right? I have a son that's 11. Yes. 11. Okay. And you've so you've had several miscarriages. Yes. Uh, I stopped counting after four. I'm, so I'm kind of guessing that that would have been about number seven on my miscarriages and they just kept putting me down as high risk. Mm. Um, you know, and they, they based it off of the pregnancy that I had with my son because I had a hard time with having him. Mm. Um, I found out in August uh, because I was like, oh my God, like, you know, my, that, that year or my original goal was the PR. Mm. I was like, yeah, I want to get, you know, I want to be faster in my times. I want to see how far I can push it. And then I'm gonna go back to being slow again. But (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, but um, that was my original goal. And all of a sudden I started experiencing all of like, I started getting really hot. I started getting slower. Um, I didn't feel right. And then all of a sudden, boom, pregnancy test, like it didn't even wait two minutes. It was just like, huh, <laughs> you know, and I'm telling my husband and I'm like, at the time, all I knew about was fibroids. And my doctor was talking to me about getting, um, he was trying to talk me into a hysterectomy or a myomectomy um, at the time. And he was like, right now is not a good time to actually get pregnant because of the history of having miscarriages. And he was like helping me explore options. So at least with the myomectomy option, I would have had the option to basically plan out um, to have a kid within that time. And then we could have did the whole procedure of possibly um, looking into UFE. Miscarriage happens as quick as I found out. Like literally I found out one day and miscarrying on two consecutive days. Um, I miscarried. I didn't find out I had twins to be very clear. Mm. I was carrying twins. I've never miscarried with twins. And it just, this time it just hit me really hard. Um, I miscarried. I had a vanishing twin on a Sunday and they told me that the other baby, they told me baby B was fine. Um, it was 134 beats per minute. You just never forget. I remember the sound. Mm. I went home. Things didn't feel right all over again. I never made it to the doctor. I ended up losing my second baby, um, that Monday. Um, and it was the lowest point in my life. Uh, they told me two weeks later I had endometriosis. An uh, uh, intern found it. Uh, <laughs> when they opened me up and they did the laparoscopic procedure, they told me that eventually I would have probably had a hard time peeing, passing bowel movements. Um, it was starting to get to a point where it was going to possibly affect my lungs, which would have turned into adenomyosis. Uh, and... I said, screw it. I was like, you know, at this point I already had, I had hecklers that were already attacking me through my, my platform running fat chef. I was, you know, once in a blue, I get a little bit of, you know, backlash from people because of a Buzzfeed article that I had did, um, earlier on that year, I was already getting people that were intentionally visiting my profile just to tell me I was fat or call me the N word. Mm. You get, you get tired of being a punching bag. And I was like, you know what? I'm I'm done. I'm done. I was like, and I let my my friends and family members who were close who knew what I was planning on doing. They said, well, at the very least, you owe it, you know, owe it to yourself to see through the three things that you did sign up for. So I went for the Chicago Marathon, New York City Marathon, and the New York Roadrunner 60K, which was two weeks later after the New York City Marathon. And I told myself that I was going to come to a piece. I was going to announce to my platform, hey, you know, thank you guys for following my blog, but it's time to go and wrap it up. And um, I think that being heckled at the New York City Marathon between miles 21 and 22 was actually something that I look at in hindsight was probably a saving grace because I wouldn't be running right now if it wasn't for that incident. Um Coincidentally, around that time, the root is the, um, the the platform. The root, um, they were developing a new section called the Glow Up, and they wanted to originally feature me on there as a Glow Up Gladiator. That was the section that they were calling it. But they found that my writings were pretty entertaining because I would talk about things that's considered TMI. Like I talk about my first instance of pooping on myself, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that was my first blog, you know. <laughs> um, 
And I started growing a platform to a point where I had like a thousand people that was like reading the stories on any given basis. Um, and they was like, you know, we love the way that you write. Have you considered being a journalist? And I'm like, no, you know, <laughs> and it's like, we'll pay you. And I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I'll consider it now, you know? And I started writing this, you know, this article and I was like, this sounds so angry. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to put this out here. I don't want people to, to hear bitter. I'm like, I'm hurt. My husband looked at it and he's like, write the same way that you write on your platform. Don't censor it. Don't overthink it. Just write the way that you feel. Express to them what you're going through. And I had to do that in 800 words or less. And I had him look at it and I'm like, what do you think? And he's like, I'll tell you what I think. And he hit the send button. Mm-hmm. Your husband? Yeah. <laughs> My husband is, uh, we're, we're like checks and balances to each other. Anytime I have a doubt, he's he's my conscious. And then when he has a moment where he's just kind of like, you know, I don't think I can do this. I'm the person that's yelling in his ear that you have to do it. You know, uh, we've been together, like we're celebrating uh, 12 years of marriage, actually, at the end of the week. And congratulations. Thank you. And we've been together 18 years. He knows me better than anyone else in this world. Um, he knows how I think, how I operate, my, my shortcomings, my insecurities. And he saw something about this article and he was just like, just let it happen. One day I wake up and the article is out there. I thought that it was going to have, it was only going to impact a few people in the running community. Next thing I know, I have over 60,000 views. (laughs) Uh, I started getting friend requests out of nowhere. People started writing me their, their letters. I think it was the kids. It was messages from kids and from people who weren't in the running community that made me stay. Mm, I love that. It was it was like, you know, because the thing is, as runners, we we kind of we know the things that come with this where people are like, you're running too far. You, you, you're going to watch out for your knees. We, <laughs> we hear these things. You know, we hear these things regularly. But to get that from the everyday person who's telling me, hey, I don't feel comfortable going to work today because my coworker made me feel like crap or getting a, a letter from a kid. Like, I, I remember one time I got a um, Instagram message from a child who admitted to me that he was actually, that he's actually 12 years old. And he, his mom doesn't know that he has Instagram. And he saw my story. Um, he found my profile. And he told me that he didn't want to be here anymore. Mm. Um, what did you do? Yeah, I kept talking. I just kept talking and I was like, okay, let's keep the account. Eventually I ended up, um, was able to actually talk him into um, having me talk to his parents. Um, oh, because I, I used to do social work before this, you know, and I took a hell of a chance because uh, these things can always go in the wrong direction. It could always be, you know, like, you know, why is this grown adult talking to this kid? Yeah, this is, that's scary. That's just, that's the part. You know, it's very hard. You know, is like that when it gets to situation that I find that now I do have kids that actually will look to my account. You know, I feel kind of bad because I, I have a potty mouth, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially on my platform. But now I'm actually because I know the audience that is so broad. I realize that even kids are like, listen, you know, we don't need you to kind of clean it up as much. Like we know, like we'd say these things at school and I'm not saying it's right for them to be. <laughs> that, but it, I'm I'm thankful that my article was able to save one. Yeah. You know, uh, and just knowing that it was more than just saving one. I get emails every day that 
you know, thank you for writing that. I, I'm not brave enough to write that yet. I'm not brave enough to tell my mom during Thanksgiving, please stop poking at my fat. Um, mm-hmm. I'm getting I'm getting shamed because people are telling me to gain weight. You know, I'm not just speaking to plus size people. I'm not just speaking to one particular group. I'm a, I'm a plus size African-American woman. Um, I'm constantly heckled and I have multiple disabilities and I speak on the aspect of, I just want to be embraced as a human. I don't want people's sympathy. I don't want, I'm not looking to be praised. I'm looking to just be human. I'm looking to, I'm looking for a little bit of humanity, honestly, through social media. Um, And there are people out there who, I mean, honestly, I'm not doing anything unique. In my opinion, I don't feel like I'm doing anything unique. Just running 100Ks. Yeah, just, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I do, I will say I do crazy stuff. (laughs) Jump out of airplanes. Yes, you know, jump out of perfectly good airplanes because, you know, you're scared of it and, you know, you have a fear of fun flying, you know, but <laughs> you know, there's those things. But I, I like to say that I'm an ordinary person that like to do extraordinary things. And I think that I am not alone in that feeling. It's just that a lot of us share the same sentiment of being a self-defeatist, where we knock ourselves down or talk ourselves out of something before we actually try it. Or maybe we did try it, but we're scared of the success that follows with it. What about the pressures? What about the moment that we do fail? Because with, you know, with highs, there are going to be lows and you don't know how to recover from it. You know, what happens when you're publicly humiliated? What happens when you, every day you're waking up to be somebody's target? These are real life experiences. And sometimes we resort to going on social media to look for that escape. And in turn, I figured this is much larger than me. This is not just a conversation about being heckled at the New York City Marathon. Essentially, my story was a metaphor for other people. You know, I didn't just get messages from, you know, from runners. I got messages from men. I got messages from people who are part of the LGBTQIA community, which uh, I'm a person who is. I am I'm openly bisexual or what some people would consider as queer, you know, um, who don't feel they like, where do I fit into this conversation? There's people who consider themselves the term skinny fat, you know, and, and it's just the idea that they're not hearing the narrative of somebody that's saying, oh, my God, I hate my body. It's a person that's saying there are days that I have rough moments with my body at any shape time or time of the day regardless of how many compliments I may get or how many things that people are telling me I shouldn't love my body and you're a person that's saying yes I do embrace myself at this present state but I don't have to lose weight to actually love my body at this moment Mm. I don't have to fit a certain mold or I have to look like a quote unquote stereotypical athlete just to be considered one. I'm an athlete because I'm doing the things that I'm doing or I'm human because I'm living and I'm breathing that I, I matter too. And that's really what this message has evolved to from 2017 until now. I, I just never thought that people would care enough um, because honestly, in the back of my head, I was a pessimist. I was just like, I'm waiting for people to heckle me. I'm waiting for people to attack me. I'm like, because I'm so conditioned to it that I had to grow this layer of thicker skin to be able to, to, to not, to try to not feel. But the thing about having thick skin, thick skin still gets scarred. It just has calluses. And once we realize that and we stop asking people to just simply ignore Instead, we need to address it. We don't have to be direct, you know, like where we're like, 
you know, you did this and shame on you. You don't have to do that. It doesn't have to be a call out culture. But what it should be is a responsible culture. We we need to be able to say, hey, listen, let me look in the mirror and address what my internal issues are. So I do not bounce that onto someone else. If we started working on ourselves or focusing on ourselves and the things that we want to improve in our own everyday lives, I don't think that we would have so much time to bounce that negativity onto someone else. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still thinking about, um, for some reason, I'm still thinking about your miscarriages and the fact that your son, he's 11. Yeah. How do you, um, I guess my question is I, as a mom, I have four kids and I know, but I, (laughs) but as I'm sitting here thinking about my four healthy kids, I'm like, man, how do you reconcile that? Because clearly that's something that you were hoping was going to happen, you know, with, and then you had all these miscarriages. So, so talk to me about having this beautiful life that you have with your beautiful son, um, but kind of coming to terms with all these miscarriages and what's going on with your body. It is, you know, like some people struggle with the idea of what they look like. For me, my, my battle is always internal. It is always this feeling like the biggest heckler that I've ever encountered was myself because my body is constantly laughing at me. It doesn't hold on to kids. Mm. It doesn't treat me good on some days. And it takes a lot to deal with those demons. It's one thing to like, you know, like people say cruel things like you can't fix ugly. You sure you can, you can change up like, well, the, you know, whatever you, you call quote unquote ugly, there's a modification out there. People can get surgery. And I don't knock people who get surgery, like, you know, or get altered, you know, augmentations or anything like that. That's that's their prerogative. You know, if that is what makes them happy and genuinely happy and is not to a point where it's going to hurt them, then I'm here for it. But how do you fix things that's internally mm. is it's a real struggle. Um we're talking about society. Now, you know, in twenty nineteen, we're a little bit more open to going to get counseling. But if you even talked about it a year ago, you are automatically uh, deemed with labels like crazy. Uh, you're you're told that, you know, that you should get over it. Uh, as an African-American woman um, that's born in the 80s, going to the therapist as a black woman, it makes you weak, Ooh, you know? Okay, talk to me about that. I didn't know that culturally. Okay, so yeah, so... Unfortunately, there's stereotypes in, you know, in every background, everybody like, you know, I can name off five stereotypes and then, you know, certain things that people like, you know, from somewhere else, some other cultural culture will say, hey, in my culture, we believe in this, too. Or, hey, we have something similar. So I grew up in Brooklyn um, and I still am in Brooklyn, uh, but I'm, I'm an 85 kid, 1985 kid. Okay. And growing up the, the, in the conditions that I grew up in black women in particular are expected to be strong. We're conditioned as women. We are conditioned, even when we are girls are conditioned to always be strong. Um, we, we're, we're, we're always described as having sass or spicy or some type of like adjective. Like, you know, I know a lot of feminists actually use that term. I'm personally not a feminist. Um, to be very honest, Mm. I'm not against them. I definitely believe in a lot of the things that they match, but I'm one of those people I don't identify with something unless I completely feel like 
I know everything about it mm. and I can actually stand by it. So I would never associate myself with a label that I cannot comfortably say that if somebody questioned me and say, well, tell me about the history of feminism mm. or tell me, you know, why does it resonate with you? I'm not at that place yet. I, I, I never will say that I'm never going to be a feminist. What I will say is that I'm definitely a feminist ally. Um, a lot of the things that I do say match a lot of feminist beliefs, but at this very moment, I'm not one. Okay. Um, you know, just for, you know, just for only for the personal sake of on my part, it's just a lot of the historical aspects that it, it, I just haven't came to a resolve with at the, as of yet. But um, as far as growing up as an 85 kid, um, black woman, we are expected to be leaders, but don't, but, but you have to know how to, 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 to almost everybody else in the world, the way that we are perceived at times are loudmouth. We are snappy. We have an attitude. If we speak too loud, um, then we're angry. Mm-hmm. We're projecting. And when you complain about your issues, it is considered weak. Instead of stimulating or being open to that type of dialogue of saying, hey, I have something going on. You know, um, I would like to talk about it. No, you don't talk about it with outsiders. You talk about that within your inner circle. You talk about it with your with your your family members, but you don't tell it to friends. It's like you're, you you have to wear a, a mask or extra layer. And that's what I grew up to. Not saying that this is everybody else's like, you know, I, I will not speak for all of, you know, African Americans or African American women, but I can say that this was my perspective that I grew up and I was taught um passively and directly that as a black woman, you just don't show those type of emotions because, you know, the world's already against you. You're walking around with this protective layer of, I don't want to be seen as weak. I don't want to be seen as vulnerable. And I find, I find it nurturing. I find it helpful to be vulnerable, um, as an adult now. Uh, but it took years to really break out of that that fear of going to a therapist. I'm so glad you did. And you're telling people because I hope that there's someone listening that feels nervous or shameful or something about going. And I hope they're hearing you say this and realizing that it's okay. There was so many times where I should have gone to a therapist that I was just so worried about what other people were going to think. But the the thing is you don't have to announce that you're going to a therapist. (laughs) You know, like these are the things that I know now, but it was hard to tell me that, you know, until I had reached this really low point and I would never want, I don't care what background, I don't care what gender you identify as or non-gender or anything of that nature. If you legitimately feel like I need to talk to someone, then you do it. Sometimes there are legitimate things that maybe something is just not right. If you are feeling like, you know, I'm not feeling like myself or I've been down for so many, you know, for so long, then you need to actually speak to someone who's not as connected with your your story or know so much about you that now their opinion of you is now is kind of infiltrating with the issues that's actually going on with you. You need that buffer sometimes, that se- that separation of an individual who has no understanding of your story, but they are trained. And that's the key word is that it's trained to help you through that process. Therapist, a talk therapist, a true talk therapist is not there to give you a lecture. They're not there to make you feel like you are being shamed or nailed against the cross or told that you're a bad person. Instead, they're going to listen to your issues and say, okay, 
So you're saying that you're going through this. Have you explored this? They're going to give you alter- they're going to give you alternatives to figuring out how you can navigate your life the best possible way that you possibly can. And that's what therapists have done for me. Now, I've had therapists that I just didn't click with, but this is not something that you should shy away from and say, well, because this one therapist didn't work out, that means I can't go to someone else. Instead, explore. Maybe it's not that the therapist is bad. Maybe it's just that personality-wise, it just doesn't match up. Or maybe you need to give it a little bit more chances. Maybe you need to give it like a second or third session to see if mm, maybe, you know, maybe they're trying to fill me out the first session. You know, um, these are things that sometimes like I know for in my case, support groups don't do well for me. Um, And then there are certain things that don't have support groups. Like when I was going through the miscarriages, um, the closest thing I was able to find I don't, I don't even think like it was, it was very weird. It was very hard to actually find a support group, um, for a lot of the issues that I have, because aside from going through issues with facing, you know, the loss of multiple children, most of the support groups are really surrounded by people who've actually had like still, um, you know, stillbirths or mm-hmm. something of that nature. You don't hear about people that's like, Hey, I didn't make it past the second trimester. You don't hear about people that like me who just, you know, wake up one morning and realize that, oh, my God, I didn't even know I was pregnant. And now this actually happened. And now I have to go into the doctor. It's trauma to that. You, you get to my point where you've had six or seven miscarriages. You start to wonder, am I a defect? Well, and you were probably further along than you realized because you probably weren't expecting that you were yes. going to be pregnant. Yeah. Like well, um, the the way that they were, um, they they. Their predictions is that I was pregnant probably sometime in May or June. Okay. Um, because of the way that the one, the heartbeat, it takes a certain mm-hmm. amount of time for the mm-hmm. heartbeat to really like be found. Yeah, um, at least six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. About so six weeks. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that they were saying that I was kind of edging on. I would have been probably like really close to my second trimester. And when I think about how how off I was feeling. Mm. Like during the summer months, I was like, oh, my God, it's like so hot in here. Then there was times where I was cooking dinner and if things stayed around for too long, I started to get nauseous. Mm, there's a sign. Uh, yeah. You know, like and I was just like, OK, you know, this is just me. You know, my body is just, you know, being weird all over again. My biggest sign was when I made um, Indian food and I love like I, I love certain dishes. I made the dish. I couldn't stand the smell after it sat there for 20 minutes and I was like, I can't wash these dishes. Mm-hmm. I started waking up in the morning. I wanted peanut butter and honey sandwiches <laughs> out of all things. I wanted peanut butter and honey sandwiches, but then I started feeling like I want to eat anything else, but peanut butter and honey sandwiches. Um, I started going through sharp pains. There were so many indicators in hindsight that were trying to surface and reveal itself to me, but I couldn't see it. Um, and when you go through that type of trauma, over and over again, I'm a person who's who's had umbilical hernia surgeries. I almost died on the table when I had my son. You know, um, I took a chance on having him. I had placenta previa and placenta accreta. And basically, previa means that there's really no opening for the baby to come out. So your water breaks and you're like, all right, cool, here's the day. <laughs> but the entire pregnancy, I was bleeding. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the, the 28 days off. There was times where I ran to the hospital almost every month. Um, I couldn't do anything. I was bed rested then. And I was like, my body's a defect. <laughs> you know, that's what I kept saying to myself is my body's a defect and my body's a defect. Like, why does it not like me? And now I have this 11 year old 
And at times I have to remind myself not to feel guilty about that. I ended up finding out my son, uh, like it was my first, I was actually training for my first marathon or my second. He was diagnosed a month before his seventh, his eighth birthday um, with type one diabetes. Oh, that's tough. And I didn't know anything about type one diabetes. All you hear about is type two. And this is something else that I get heckled on. I get mom shamed, you know, so it's very hard. Um, you know, when people are like, you know, what kind of mother are you? What are you feeding your kid? And I'm like, do you know the history of type one? Type one is not something that, you know, that, you know, that you feed your child the wrong thing or you, you loaded them with candy. This is a condition that he was born with. And all I kept thinking at that point was I'm so much of a defect. I made my child a defect. You know, that's when you need to go to counseling. Yeah. That's when you need to go to counseling and seek out the professional help. So, you don't get to such a low point where you just can't, you can't see yourself through the next day. I had moments where I didn't want to look in the mirror. I hated my body. I hated that my son was going through what he was going through. Like he's three years and he's, oh my God, he's so strong. I love this kid. Um, He, he inspires me some days. Like I was having a bad moment last night um, after coming in and he just, he just says the right things. He gives me a hug and, I feel like even as an adult, he teaches me things about myself that I didn't know was there. Isn't that crazy how kids can do that? He's a cutie, yes. too. Yes, he is a sweetheart. He I is. love Will, William is his name, William Jr.? <laughs> yes, yeah, yep, he, yep, he's a William Jr., but he's um, but he, uh, we used to call him EJ because his middle name is Eric. I love but, that, uh, too. Yeah, like, but the, my husband calls him, like, my husband, he's, he refers to Eric, and bec- and when my child got older, he's like, my name is William, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, he told you. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. I was like, so EJ's not the thing anymore? And he's like, no, he's like, I'm my own person. And I'm like, and they both really have that same, like, they both kind of like screw face me and side eye me. Like, you named me after my dad and my husband. It's just like, I really wanted to give him his own name. Like, and I'm like, you both have your own identities, but they, you know, they, they, they feel the way that they do. When did he switch from EJ to William? This was around... I want to say around eight. Okay. Oh, that's weird when you've been calling him that his whole life. Like, that's a lot. I still do it. Like, and the thing is, and the hard part is, is because I call him EJ, it was so easy for me to call him Eric. So now it's to the point where they know which one I'm referring. They uh-huh. don't calling at. If I yell a certain way, they're like, oh, yeah, she's calling you. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's so weird. But, um, you know, I, I just love the way that he is. He has so much compassion. For the world, sometimes I, I do have a fear as a mom that the world is going to like. And, and, th- and the crazy part is he has that fear for me because he's not oblivious about the the hate mail that I get. Um, he sees it, you know. I'm as I grow in my audience, and I you know I do TV shows or interviews and podcasts. He sees all of the reactions and all of the things that I go through. That he's just like, mom, how are you processing this? Aww. You know, and, and I'm just like, you little mini adult, don't worry about me. You know, <laughs> mini adult. I just can't, like, I just can't believe that there are adults in this world who literally send people hate mail. Like, I just, who are these people and who raised them is what I want to know. Unfortunately, you can actually go on my Facebook right now and actually see it in real time. This is crazy. I just like... Yeah. Literally, like I'm encountering a little bit of heat at this very moment from the very last race that I just did. Okay, and that's that's so upsetting. You just <laughs> ran the New Orleans Marathon, New yeah. Orleans Marathon, and 
you accidentally got off course for a little bit. Is that what happened? Yeah. So uh, long story short, I went there. I went there with the efforts of um, like aside from doing I'm like, woohoo, you know, I became an official, you know, athlete. I already had it in the plans. I've been saving like for months. I was just like, I want to do my first race as a fundraiser. Okay. So I was like, you know, like uh, this year has been the mantra of every year. I'm always looking for a goal of something that I want to accomplish on a bigger level that's beyond me. And that's been my thing ever since I realized like, oh, I might have a couple more years on my mobility. Cause I, I'm always worried about where the sciatica and the distant generation is going to take me. If it's one day I'm just going to wake up and I'm not going to be able to walk again. So while I do have the opportunity, I'm looking to do this for more than just the medals anymore. So I was like, St. Jude's. I'm like, I love St. Jude's. You know, I love what they stand for. And my son is always adamant about you should find something like, you know, you should always find a cause. Like he's, he's always looking for ways to donate his toys and stuff like that. So for me, I was like, St. Jude's would be perfect. They're already associated with rock and roll. They put on a hell of a race. I'm like, it's New Orleans. I get to go to Bourbon Street afterwards, <laughs> even when I'm in pain, you know, I get to have some fun, you know, um, why not? So I planned this weekend trip. I went down there, picked up my bib, um, participated in the race somewhere around between mile 16 and maybe like 18 or 19. I really can't remember because I literally made a mistake and went out there with no bra. <laughs> and my pants, I actually had a wardrobe malfunction where um, my my skirt bottom actually ripped in the middle. Like, um, so I was going through, like, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to go through chafing or whatever. Somewhere along that line, I missed a marker. Um, like, there was a checkpoint. And this is the reason why I keep asking people, like, please don't don't get upset with rock and roll. You know, unfortunately, about I wasn't the only person. There was about 20, so, 20 or so people who made the same mistake. We were all kind of like following each other. Like, oh, okay, well, that person's making a turn, so I'm going to make a turn too. Right. Yes, I can totally see how that would happen. So when we made the turn, we missed the checkpoint. And in turn, because of the timing chip company, from what I'm understanding from rock and roll, because of the, of missing it, to maintain their integrity. And I, I don't blame them. You know, like you, if, you, if, you, sure. if you make an exception to one, that means you have to make an exception to everything, everything else that follows. So it was like, you know, um, you know, realistically, we can't honor it. So it automatically makes you a disqualified, mm. you know, runner. So I ran all the way to the end and I'm like, you know, the day of, like, I'm not thinking about this stuff. I'm like, woohoo, you know, got my medal. You know, it, you know, at times it felt like it really sucked. I wanted to be over. I'm like, great. I'm going to Bourbon Street. After I came back, um, I had two or three followers on my Facebook page that was like, hey, how did you run a 1019? What were you running from? And I'm like, 10 what? I'm like, 10, I think it was like a 1019 or 1021. And I'm what, like, did they, did they look up your results or something? Yeah. It's like people, so it's like, I'm always, I'm notorious for, like, because I, I still do it to this day. I still let my social media, like the people that follow me, I let them keep me accountable. It's just that now I'm, you know, I'm open about it. You know, before it was more like, hey, I'm going to kind of trick y'all into keeping me accountable. You know, now it's not about weight loss. It's just really just taking people in on the party. That's the way I look at races. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm like, all right, cool. How can I entertain myself when I'm hitting this low point and it sucks and it's raining or the weather is crap and I'm like, I don't want to be out here. Okay, let's, you know, I know I'm one of the back of the pack runners, which is essentially just, you know, I run six hour, seven hour marathons, you know, so I'm like, I'm going to be out here for a long time. It's not like I can whip open a book and I don't really listen to headphones because sometimes people will like, like hey, you know, I recognize you from wherever. Can we take a picture or can we talk? I'm having a rough moment. 
I love that opportunity to be able to help somebody else on the course. Mm -hmm. So there's times where I whip open my phone, I go on social media, I do recordings, um, you know, and I'm like, you know, hey guys, I'm at Mal, you know, whatever number it is. And this is how I'm feeling. And people enjoy understanding what I'm really going through because I don't censor when I'm going through hard moments. I don't censor when I'm going through high moments or, hey, my feet got a little bit more pep. Um, so yeah, and the, the, the follow um, the couple of followers is like, your numbers completely jumped. Um, and then all of a sudden somebody else reached out to me and it was like, dude, you don't have an official time. And I'm like, that's impossible. Cause I, one of the people that contacted me was my friend. And she's like, I know that your personal goal was to get better with your times this year. Um, she's like, I'm sorry. There's a, she's like, there's an unofficial time here and it says 642, hmm. but your official time is not showing up on their site. And I'm like, that can't be right. So when I found out about it, um, I ended up writing them on Monday. I wrote rock and roll on Monday and I was like, Hey, can you help me out with a couple of issues? For one, my marker is showing up that I did a 10 minute pace. I'm like, I was running 15, 16 minutes the entire time. I was like, at one point I resulted down like around the time of date that was sketchy. I actually started walking. I was mm. speed walking at that point. Um, so I was like, there's no way I did a 1021. I'm like, maybe right. if it was the beginning, because the thing is I can maintain that pace for about three miles. That's about it. That's as much as I can, I can actually go with that pace right now. Like in the beginning, when I started running, I used to run really fast. Now it's more like, Hey, you're in the back of the pack. All right, that's cool. I'll catch up. You know, um, in turn on Tuesday, they called me, they personally, they, they wrote me an email and they said, Hey, do you mind, um, if we have a chat on the phone? And I was like, Oh, this is some bad news. I'm like, they're, they're, they're asking, you know, to talk to me on the phone. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, hey, what's going on? And they said, well, we're sorry to tell you. Um, well, you know, unfortunately, you missed the marker. And we tried to negotiate on, you know, you guys' behalf. And I'm like, wait, hold up. I'm like, what do you mean, you guys? I'm like, how many people got affected by this? And they were like, it's about 20-something people. Um, and they, they issued a really heartfelt apology and they're like, you know, we'll find a way to make this up. And we're so sorry, um, that this is your experience and, and, you know, thank you for pointing it out. Cause we didn't know that this was actually happening. Um, I'm not worried about me. I've done so many races that I can't even count. I can't even think straight. I'm worried about people who've done this for the first time. Yeah. Like the other 15 people that were on the yeah. same. Right. You know, as you. Because, I, I mean, I got to talk with a guy who ran in a firefighter outfit. Oh. Like, and I mean, I think that was legitimately, I think that's, I think he's actually a firefighter. I didn't ask him, you know, I was just like, hey, you know, people do things, you know, weird things at races, you know. <laughs> so, you know, he had, a he. Had, I remember running with him and another lady who, and they were both alternating, holding on to the flag mm. the entire race. And I was just like, wow, that takes a lot of strength to actually do that. Like to hold on to that for 26.2 miles. Mm -hmm. I, I was laughing with people out there when they were watching me get duct taped. You know, I was duct taping my legs. I was like, I'm, I'm scared I'm going to get chafed. And I was like, I'm not going to look forward to taking this off. Um, I put bandages on my boobs. People actually saw me do this. You know, so we all had a good time in the back of the pack. I, I got to talk with like eight or 10 people back there. So to know that all of us are not going to have our official times for some people, they might be okay with just the medal, and I'm, I'm glad for them. But I know that some people actually do want these times where they're, you know, they're running for a certain reason. I feel bad. You know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm gonna be okay. I got, like, come on, guys. I got, I got ten marathons this year. You know, well, nine or so I'm left now at this point. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, like I mean, like yeah, and I, I'm still signing up for races. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of. <laughs> I mean, so we that, that have doesn't. An addiction. 
<laughs> yeah. <Help me> <laughs> a little bit of a crazy addiction i think you know like i enjoy the trails i enjoy the outdoors i enjoy my mobility um i I mean i have ultra races that's on the calendar that i haven't even counted i have my opportunities and as an athlete i have i have to say that i have a little bit more of i'm very aware that i have more of a luxury than the average person um, now there might be people out here that are there that have the budget to throw out money i'm personally not one of those people i wish i was um but imagine the person that saved up for months to go to this race for that to happen. And that's, and that's the reason why I'm asking people, like, please don't come down on rock and roll and give them a hard way to go. This is human error. Right. Things happen. Things happen. Things happen. Certain things are just not predictable. And, um, you know, I just, you know, I, I'm I'm thankful that in a couple of weeks I have my redemption, hopefully with Tokyo. And if I get, you know, and if I don't make it across, like that has a very hard um, cutoff. It's seven hours. But realistically, it's seven hours after they do the gun, um, they, they do the, um, the, the, they do the gun time okay. um, based off the seven hours. And because of the pace that I run, I'm going to be painfully close. Oh, gosh. Okay. Possible. Yeah. So. I already knew this when I when I signed up for it. When I heard when I heard about the time, I was like, "Ooh!" I was like, "Well, this will be a fun trip," and I turned it into an anniversary trip. Oh, fun! Your husband's going to? Yeah, my husband's going to this because the thing is, I this is gonna sound screwed up. I didn't have any interest in Tokyo as much, uh-huh. uh, you know. But I did want to do it because it was a world major. But realistically, uh-huh. I was like, "This is an excuse for my husband and I to finally have the anniversary trip that we didn't have." Oh yeah, because you're 12 years now, so this is like your big 10 year trip. Yes, like I mean, and we're we're high school sweethearts. Um, oh, I'm, I love yeah. it. So you know, like I mean, and we, you know, my son is eleven. You know, so that says a lot. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, that time frame, like you, you, as a parent, you don't really have the opportunity to say, "Hey, I'm going outside," and you know, who cares who's watching our kid? Like you can't do that. And uh, because he has the the diagnosis with type one, I have to make sure that whoever he stays with understands yeah, that, serious. you know, what to look for, you know, like, Hey, if he's going through a low, he might not be responsive. If he's going through a high, he might be super excited. These are now extra precautions that I have to look into as a parent. Cause I'm a parent first before I'm an athlete, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I looked at it as, as you know, people are like, oh, you know, aren't you worried about Tokyo because you might not make the cutoff? I'm like, no, I run for the experience. You know, whatever time I get cut off in Tokyo, I'll literally find the extra five or six miles out there to do on my own. That's OK with me. You know, um, you, you come to a piece, like especially with trail running. I came to a piece that sometimes we do a lot of DNF. Um, you know, uh, we have a lot of races that we DNF in. Um, for those who are not aware, the term is did not finish. Um, especially when you're doing trail races, because you're not looking for so much the time. You're looking to actually persevere and make it through. The courses are technical versus a road race, where it's very predictable. With a, a trail race, you might be out there with a spider or, to, you know, a, a, you know, a rattlesnake. You don't know what you're going to be out there. You might see a bear or maybe the course just has a lot of rocks or has a lot of uphills and it's a technical course. With doing those races, it's made me reevaluate the way that I look at running. And I'm just like, are you doing this because you're looking for the accolades? Or are you looking for an adventure? And for me, I'm looking for the adventure. Totally. Okay. Tell me what your marathon PR is. Oh my God. Uh, my marathon PR, I believe, let's see, it's either, this is going to be a hell of a gap. Um, is if it's my first race, it was five forty seven twenty nine. Okay. Um, as of recent, I believe 
like if I because I'm not sure if that one was actually official. I don't know if I made the cutoffs, but my time was five forty seven twenty nine. If not, then the other one was six thirty three fifty two. Okay. Or them six thirty three oh one, something like that. Okay, so you're gonna shoot for something like that in Tokyo. I am in yeah, Tokyo. I have to. <laughs> you gotta go. <laughs> I have to go. So, like, my goal in Tokyo is to hit a 640. Yeah, because if it's gun time and you're starting in a later corral. Yes, I'm going to be all the way in the back. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that I can painfully closely hit the 640. And the thing is, I've done it years before. I can't really count the the marathon from last year for New um, for the New York, uh, the New York the New York City Marathon because I was helping people on the course um, that entire time. And I literally had announced it on my, per- my the podcast that I do with my um, with my 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 running partner. Well, he's kind of like my running partner, but we're like we're literally West Coast and East Coast. Marcel, Anytime we- is that his name? Martinez. Yeah. Martinez. What? Now tell everybody what your podcast is with him. Okay, so pretty much I'm underneath the 300 pounds and running network, but the podcast that we do together underneath that network is called The Long Run with Martinez and Latoya. Oh, cool. We- okay, I didn't realize that's how it went down because I've heard of his podcast. Yeah. So you're like under the umbrella of his network. Okay. Yes. Got yes. So that's like a separate entity of his own. Like the 300 pounds and running podcast, they really they highlight the everyday um, athletes from different backgrounds. You know, it might be someone who's just an everyday runner, a person that's a teacher by day, runner by night. Um, all the way down to professional athletes um, that might be out there that want to join the show. Um, So it's always nice to actually get that variety. But when it came down to our show, it was really like a test run, but it kind of kicked off a lot because my mouth um, is not as clean. (laughs) Yeah. like My mouth is not as clean. You've done a great job in this episode though, by the way. Oh yes. Yeah. I'm I'm proud of myself. I didn't say one F bomb yet. (laughs) Yet. But it's just like, uh, with, the, with the long run, we are exceptionally long-runded. Uh, we our, our episodes are about an hour and a half, and it essentially takes you through a longer run. And we talk about our marathon training, or you know, hardships that we go through everyday life. You know, what's going on in our personal life. It's like sitting down in our, our living room and just kicking back with a friend and you got a coffee and just really just asking them how's your day while incorporating things that sometimes we get questions from our viewers you know um how do you deal with runner's trots you know um how do you know what food to eat you know in your personal opinion how have you managed um through a hard time you know how do you balance marathon training while being a parent you know these are the things that we like to talk about on the podcast and um it's been pretty it's been pretty damn cool that's um, awesome. So, I need to listen to it. I haven't listened to it yet. Oh, yeah. We're pretty um, potty mouth. So, yeah, it is definitely not. Oh, he is uh, too? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's not as bad. But sometimes we do get riled up. So, <laughs> Well, I'm not anti-potty mouth. I, I'm 100%. I, and I slip up all the time in front of my kids. So I am not anti-potty mouth. Okay, LaToya, what is one thing personally or professionally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Hmm. Parkour. Oh, really? Interesting. I want, I, I, I'm doing all these crazy workouts in the gym and I love plyo exercises. I love jump rope. I'm jumping rope. I think that parkour actually scares me. So I want to try it. Okay. I love that. Yeah. It scares me too. Um, what's an accomplishment you're most proud of? My family. Your family. My family. William. God, my, my William, my, my big William. I am so proud of that the idea that I have a family that I wholeheartedly love because for a long time, I thought I was going to be alone. Mm. 
Yeah. What if you could have coffee or cocktail with someone fun, motivating, or inspiring? Who would it be? Samuel L. Jackson. Because oh my God, I just I like I want my life story narrated by that man. I love it. <laughs> That's good. I've never had that answer on this podcast. That's a good one. <laughs> if you had one message to send to the world, what would it be? Be the change in the light that you desire to see and want to fulfill. Your entire life, you are constantly writing a story that may never run out of pages. Um, you may reinvent it. You might rip out a couple of chapters and decide to start anew. Don't be scared of challenging yourself. Don't be scared to make mistakes. Every day that we are given an opportunity to have breath, we are given the option to essentially screw up, to reinvent ourselves, to try it all over again. Be thankful for the life that you have and understand that even when you are having your hardest days, you are having your rough moments, that it is okay to fail, to surrender, to be vulnerable. It is not a sign of weakness. It is actually a sign of strength to be able to go back out there and try it all over again. That's really why I run marathons. And I hope that in your life, that that will be the marathon that drives you. I love that. What a great way to end. <laughs> I'm so happy to have connected with you and um, can't wait to share your story with everybody. There's so many more questions I could ask, but we've clearly ran out of time so we yes. can do it again. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, LaToya, we'll have a wonderful day and good luck in Tokyo. Thank you. Thank Six, you so much. 640. Here she comes. Oh, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thank you, LaToya, for coming on the show and sharing your story with my listeners. Again, you guys can find LaToya over on Instagram. I am L Shante. And you can find her blog. She is runningfatchef.com. I hope you learned a little something in this episode and I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to check out Generation You Can. You guys can save 15% off and get free shipping when you go to generationyoucan.com slash another. The promo code there is another 19. Don't forget to find me on social media. I love connecting with listeners over there. I am lindsayhine626 on Instagram, at lindsayhine on Twitter. And my Facebook page is I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine where you can find our group there as well. We have a very active and fun, engaged Facebook group as well. All right, you guys have a great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.